Welcome to BMO COVID-19 Insights. Visit bmocm.com slash COVID-19 for more up-to-the-minute insights. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Hi, I'm Jonathan Hackett, Managing Director and Head of Sustainable Finance at the Bank of Montreal, where my focus is on how we can integrate sustainability into financial markets and to help mobilize our clients to create positive impact through finance. My guest today is Sean Hayes, Managing Director, Head of U.S. Syndicate at BMO Capital Markets. Sean led the BMO team in its role as joint lead manager on the World Bank's record-breaking $8 billion sustainability bond issue last week. It was the most recent of many for Sean and his team. My first question for Sean is to speak a little about his role at BMO and how this fits into the World Bank's sustainability bond issuance program. Sean, over to you. Sure. Hey, and, and thanks, Jonathan, for that. Um, yes, I sit within U.S. Uh, fixed income uh, across high-grade debt. So uh, typically that's out of our New York City office. But given the current circumstances, I'm here in what we'll call the uh, Connecticut office. And as a forewarning for, for you, uh, this office is baby-friendly. So in case you hear a bit of background noise throughout our chat, uh, apologies in advance there. Not at all. And if you hear my dog, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I got the baby in the background right now. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, as it relates to the World Bank, uh, I oversee the debt coverage team for them. I've covered World Bank uh, since I graduated and got my first job at a university. I actually went to college in, in Washington, D.C., uh, where the World Bank and the other D.C. Supras, as they're referred to, are headquartered. So I've clearly got a little bit of a natural bias here for both covering and visiting them too. And uh, I certainly look forward to heading back down to DC to celebrate uh, last week's deal once once the outbreak is fully behind us. In terms of the uh, how it all fits together and, and your question about sustainability and, and their bomb issuance program, BMO and, and, and World Bank have been working together on sustainable development bonds since their first specifically labeled issuance uh, back in January of 2018. That bond was issued in Canadian dollars, something we originally began talking about the idea of during the World Bank uh, and then IMF annual meetings back in 2017. Where it sparked from was, at the time, one of the Canadian government's key themes was gender equality, um, leading up to the, the 2018 G7 presidency. So. In addition to that, the topic of ESG was really on the rise, and specifically within Canada, where there was overwhelming investor demand versus very limited supply from issuers in, in fixed income markets specifically. And further to that, that directly highlighted ESG efforts. So the first deal from World Bank in January 2018 um, highlighted women and girls empowerment, and that was an overwhelming success. It has since been followed with others highlighting the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, such as water and oceans and, and health and nutrition. So BMO, uh, on our side, as it relates to our relationship with the World Bank, we've been very fortunate uh, to have led all six of their Canadian dollar sustainable development benchmarks. Um, and of course, now the most recent topic of conversation was, was this record-breaking US dollar, $8 billion sized five-year and I think that one really truly speaks volumes about the investor buy-in to the World Bank mission and its mandate to, to mobilize sustainable finance. That's great. 
talking about that record, you know, you said the $8 billion is a record. Demand was at $12.5 million. Was that also a record or is there a difference between those two? Both. It, it, it was indeed. 12.5 was, was a record for supranational transaction. Uh, I believe the next closest was $10 billion. And what do you really attribute the success of this bond issuance to being? Is it the timeliness with COVID? Yeah, look, I, I would credit a number of different things. I'd start with a combination of the World Bank purpose, among other things like, you know, improving market tone, pricing, timing, tenor selection. But, you know, think about this. The World Bank is AAA rated by all of the major rating agencies, and they've been issuing debt for over 70 years now. So they're viewed as one of the most liquid flight to quality credits that has access to capital markets during even the most uncertain of times. All that said, World Bank Treasury, ahead of this deal, decided to hold a global investor call to update its bond investors regarding their efforts to support its member countries and addressing the impacts of COVID-19. The point here, did they need to hold a global investor call to have a successful transaction? Of course not. But that extra layer of thoughtfulness to address what's really on all of our minds right now and what a leader like World Bank is doing to help respond to the outbreak, that's what I think made a huge difference here. And you know, we can talk about all the nitty gritty of issuing a bond, right? We can talk about how the five-year tenor was undersupplied versus the rush of more defensive, shorter two to three-year tenors, which often happens in, 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 a, in a challenge backdrop. That would be fact to say there was undersupply. But frankly, if you think about the World Bank, their last two deals had actually both been three and a half size billion five-year deals as recently as March and January. So it's tough to argue that investors were lacking the opportunity to buy World Bank five-year debt, and that's the real reason why this worked out so well. I can talk about pricing. It's very rare historically that you can buy World Bank five-year debt at what ultimately shook out here as mid-swaps plus 24 basis points was, was the pricing level, which also would be the, the equivalent at the time was treasuries plus 36 and a half basis points. Just to give you these, these marks, the deal came with four basis points of concession versus World Bank's secondary bonds, which I would say is above norm in SSA space given the conditions. But as attractive as this may have been in those respects, one of World Bank's very close peers had just issued a five-year a few weeks prior, 13 basis points cheaper than this level and, and with more concession even than I just mentioned, that deal was $2 billion size with a $4 billion plus book. So it can't simply be about price either. You know, you mentioned timing. Timing was impeccable. I mean, extremely strong. Equity markets had rebounded over 25%, you know, since late March lows. I would add to that many core fixed income investors were back in buying mode. So I do think that made a notable difference, but all of that said, I mostly attribute this one to World Bank's approach. High-grade credit markets had seen a historic amount of debt issuance since the outbreak began, and given you know the economic ramifications COVID-19 will have on the world, I think every debt borrower right now, right, not SSAs at corporates, everyone is being asked 
by investors how the pandemic will impact their financials, their future earnings, their profitability. I think World Bank's role in responding to the situation at hand, paired with taking that extra step to give investors comfort in both borrowing and investing for impact to respond to the crisis is what really shined through here. I think turning to how this reflects on sustainable finance more broadly, there have been a lot of questions around, is sustainable finance going to take a backseat through uh, the COVID-19 crisis? Would you take this as a positive sign that investor demand for sustainable development bonds and sustainability bonds in, in general will still be strong through this period of time? Yeah, I do. I think World Bank, through each of its its deals, raises awareness across a variety of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, highlighting the many ways in which they deploy capital in pursuit of more sustainable future. So, you know, World Bank, if you think about it, right, let's go back even further. They're at the forefront of developing green bond markets, pursuing awareness and a framework that has laid the foundation for green bond financing across asset classes today. So, yes, World Bank has shifted its focus more recently to sustainable development bonds as the need for sustainable financing grows and and has developed strong partnerships with investors directly in this pursuit. But I think, for me, the main takeaway here is we often see the SSA space lead the charge in driving new products, whether that's sustainable, green, water bonds, or even non-specific, you know, ESG type formats like 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 SOFR issuance. They take the lead as as global public institutions, and you see a lot of positive leakage into other sectors of the market. And what happens over time is we begin to see, you know, asset backs, mortgage backs, and even corporate borrowers then following into these new areas and and products. So I think. You know, with issuance like this, with, with which issuance like what, what World Bank accomplished last week, I think it's only more motivating to uh, other sectors of the market to, to kind of pay attention and, and, and ultimately follow. So I think that's a great point because I, it is also something where it gives us as BMO an opportunity to work on these types of bonds before the majority of our clients are thinking about them and to be able to bring those capabilities. Do you think that that's you know, that, that our work in the SSA space is going to continue to be a strength that we can draw upon for the rest of our clients as we move forward? Absolutely. I mean, I, the amount of clients beyond reach of AAA rated SSA issuers on this deal, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I was hearing from uh, both internal and external folks, uh, you know, to tell us more about this deal, to tell us more about the underlying proceeds and what and what World Bank was is going to do with, with with the amount of debt capacity. Now, keep in mind they raised 17 billion last week, referencing sustainable development bonds away from just this U.S. dollar eight billion deal. So it was it was really quite the week, and I, and I do think it has other clients paying attention. I, I mean, just to name one, you know, and we we kind of just mentioned it in terms of the SSA issuers being such leaders and 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 finding its way in other markets. USAA, uh, that's a U.S. corporate insurance company, they issued a sustainable bond last week as well. And what's interesting here was the use of proceeds were allocated to finance eligible investments, which by definition included relief on regular payments for USAA's members. So that is directly stemming from, from COVID impacts. So while 
a lot of new debt and, and how crazy and busy the markets have been has been issued to shore up liquidity, given the economic uncertainty that lies ahead. Now we've seen a company responding to the financial hardships of its customer base. And that was an interesting case, you know, again, where payment deferrals actually drove the use of proceeds and creation of a sustainability bond. So, you know, I think demand for sustainable assets speaks for itself in cases like these. And whether it's World Bank's member countries or USA's customer base, yes, I think we're seeing outlier types of demand and unique investors in these transactions. And, you know, I, I think the leadership in SSA space that, that BMO has, has been thrilled to be a part of will quickly leak its way into other major debt capital markets. Obviously, this bond connects to BMO's purpose to boldly grow the good in business and life. But is that a factor in who the World Bank works with? Is our alignment to their mission and the other work that we do part of why we were selected to lead this this issuance? Yeah, look, I I, I truly believe so. Yes, I, I think I mentioned, you know, dating back to the World Bank IMF conference in, in 2017, in Washington, D.C., when these conversations around sustainability between BMO and the, and the World Bank uh, were, were happening at, at a meeting table. And, and you just think about how much things have grown in the area since. So, you know, while I would, you know, I would say uh, on this transaction, I, uh, you know, it's a tricky question, right? I never know what happens on the other side of, uh, of that internal call when World Bank Treasury discusses which dealers it wants to work with. I think the, the bank's dedication to sustainable finance was highly likely taken into account here. You know, I would, I, I would add, we've now been a part of 14 billion of World Bank sustainable development bonds. That's just since 2018 when we started. You know, the BMO's purpose, you know, growing the good alongside customers like World Bank, I think deeply aligns with our ambition to be actionable, responsive in, in helping provide new investment and growth. One of the pillars of BMO's purpose is community involvement. There's a natural alignment here with World Bank, allocating resources to strengthening healthcare systems and developing countries uh, for this bond. And, and, and yes, BMO uh, last December, very publicly committed to mobilizing 400 billion for sustainable finance by 2025. And by all means, World Bank has been an exemplary leader and partner as, as BMO looks forward to achieving that goal. I want to take a step back just for a minute and ask, you know, at a high level, why do you feel these bonds are so important to the global economy? And what are we really accomplishing when we're funding an organization like World Bank? Sure. They are literally being sold to support sustainable development across public and private sectors, across areas of the globe where the funds are most in need, right? So bond investors are providing the capital to World Bank via its debt issuance, which in turn then helps develop impoverished nations who otherwise don't have access to capital markets in many cases. World Bank is, is helping the most impoverished nations. That's, that's a, that is why the World Bank was created. A lot of its, its mandate to, to combat extreme poverty, to promote shared prosperity. So, I would say the implication is huge on, on the global economy uh, in supporting the growth and, and the health of, of those countries directly related to their large borrowing program, especially at times like right now. So, Sean, 
thank you so much for taking the time today to discuss the World Bank Fund. I wanted to ask, are there any other highlights or things that you would want to touch on and that you think would be of particular interest? Thank you as well, Jonathan. I, I mean, it, it, uh, look, it, it was a thrilling transaction for our bank to, to be a part of. The SSA space is, is very near and dear to BMO. I, I, you know, I just w- would, would comment that BMO's platform across you know, SSA, uh, DCM, sales, trading, strategy, derivatives, our investment portfolios, sustainable finance group like yours, the fact that we are also well aligned and connecting all those different pieces of a puzzle into one is is why we have gotten to the place that we have with with fantastic clients like the World Bank. And I know all that might sound a bit cliche, but I don't think you find the BMO culture and, and the one team approach to large relationships and, and businesses that other shops like you do here. And and I think that's what's so impactful as it relates to our, our SSA platform and and the impact that we're making in the SSA space via bonds like like last week's fantastic example. So uh, that is kind of my summary and, and closing comments there. I appreciate, uh, appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. And also, please extend our thanks to your baby, who's been, I think, really well behaved through this entire conversation. Yeah, uh, I might say thanks to my wife. Uh, she, she, did, uh, she put them both down for a nap. So there we go. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more insights, visit bmocm.com slash COVID-19. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns, Inc., and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options or any other activity, which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests, and you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets, insecurities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of, issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For full legal disclosure, please visit bmocm.com legal. 
To access our full disclosures for equity research reports, please visit researchglobal0.bmocapitalmarkets.com slash public dash disclosure slash.